0: Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that, but don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey
1: everyone, it's a new week, a new batch of episodes. Actually, not a new batch, a new episode of Cinematics. This is episode number 224, Bruce... Perky and Eric Holmes. They are my co-hosts. I say my co-hosts because that's such a very vain thing to say. They're not my co-hosts. They are the co-hosts of Cinematics. We are a threesome. This is where you're supposed to laugh, Eric Holmes. Okay, there
2: you go. (laughs) No, threesome, serious business. I do not laugh at threesome. Uh, You do not laugh at that. Serious business.
1: We had some, Bruce, we had some business, cinematics, business talk and find your film stuff before we started. Did I sound like a boss when I was trying to explain things or or not
0: yes sir you sounded like a
1: boss (laughs) well you know what the boss does hey what does he what does he give his fellow minions he gives them presents i want to pat myself on the back for this bruce what did you get what did you get in your domicile recently can you oh yeah
0: i got i got three three things in the mail today two of them are from you (laughs) Okay. Uh, one of them i didn't keep the box because it had too many labels on it but the box actually said may december and then uh <laughs> this is a, a shirt that says a, a film by todd haynes uh, I, I don't know why todd. you wear a shirt that says a film by todd haynes but i guess <laughs> i'm a film by todd haynes <laughs> that's I good fill it, i will fill it out so i'll have more minutes than there is in the <laughs> space for them. uh and then there's this actually awesome book okay. todd haynes a rapturous process mm, and this, this movie or this movie this book is right fantastic it's okay. so full of like, I mean, it's just got so many images in here and like storyboards and like concept art, and it goes all the way up to May, December. So that's pretty cool. And then I'll just show you something really quick that another friend okay, of mine sure. sent me. Yeah. You guys will both appreciate. So oh, first okay. of all, this is a holiday card that none of none of their friends, it's um, my friend from college. I haven't seen him for years, but we still talk on Facebook and stuff and his wife and they have a business together in a graphic arts place up in Bellingham. Bellingham, Washington. If you don't know, they sent this card out, holiday card to everybody, and most of their friends were mystified by it. Well, I was not. I liked it a lot. So this is the card. Okay. You can see
1: it. Oh, very, very good. It's a folks. It's a black and listeners on on the audio. It's a black and white card with a lot of people in cocktail cocktail dresses and tuxedos they're waving i'm thinking that and you mentioned the bellingham hotel i think that is a reference to the shining am i wrong on this
0: it's literally the photo from the last shot of the shining so it is that photo (laughs) but what it does people not
1: get this but no no this is the
0: best this is the best part and then it folds out and i don't know if you can see it because it's very bright. it's hard to see it folds out into all of this ornate text Yes, and very similar to what you had in. Uh, <laughs> I'll when work Jack- in o Blake make Jack a doll boy. Yeah, when like Jack- all the different designs and like oh, excellent, uh, and it goes on for like they, they have folds out into like folds out like ten pages, and it's all just says Happy Holidays from Beck Becca and Eric in different formations, and I thought that is pretty
1: fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's going that's, on my movie wall. That is an amazing card. Any comments on that, Eric Holmes? You're a fan of The Shining. Yeah. Yeah,
2: uh, actually, I, I was looking at uh, one of the the past interviews, and mm-hmm. uh, which one? Oh, not, shoot! Now I can't remember. But they were talking. Thomas uh,
1: Vincent, Thomas Vincent, Eric. The interview you just had about a week ago. Thomas Vincent from Roleplay. He mentioned yes. Yes. that he mentioned that The Shining is his. All, well, I, th- I think it's one of his all time, if not his all time favorite movie. The reason why was he grew up on it. He did not grow up on the U.S. version. Him being of. I don't know what part of Europe he was from, but he mentioned the European cut, which is, I think, 20, at least 20 minutes shorter. He yeah. was used to that growing up. And then when he bought, got the DVD and saw our our domestic cut, he was thinking- Saw the oh. Zack Snyder version. He was like, right. what's right. this? Right, exactly. And he, he was just saying, what's this? He thought it was too extreme. It was extraneous, but he, he loves The Shining vis-a-vis that, that European cut. That was- Yeah. Yeah. Very good, Eric.
2: I, I'm glad you can remember things. My brain
1: just- No, first of all- I would like to make fun of you in a sec the second, but I know from experience when you do a lot of interviews as much as you do, you and I do a lot of interviews. You tend to forget things. I mean, it's just the bottom line. You're either, you got yeah. so much stuff, information coming into Th- the head. Thing is, I was looking at the interview just the other day. I should have remembered. <laughs> <that>. I'm, try- <laughs> I'm trying to save you there. Eric. So anyway, speaking of Thomas Vincent, you can check out our, uh, not our Eric Holmes interview with Thomas Vincent. I will be putting that interview up later this week. He is the director behind a new time video movie called what Eric what is it called uh let's see
2: if I can re- no, it's called the role play <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, uh we talk about that now or no we'll talk about that later it stars that uh, stars okay. David Oyelowo I don't know if I'm
1: pronouncing the Oyelowo. yes yeah it,
2: it, it, it sounds football. like you're saying it wrong but I guess that's how you say Oyelowo. Oyelowo.
1: Yeah. Oyelowo. yeah so we'll figure that one out Maybe Bruce will take a crack at it. And just He hasn't seen the movie, but maybe he'll try. How do you pronounce David Oyelowo? You know? No, no, uh, yeah, no
0: I have, I'm not even going to try. I'll leave it to <laughs> you. Leave it to the okay. experts.
1: Okay, and Callie Kuko. I think Kuko from yeah, from The Flight Attendant. She's also in that, that movie, Ro- Role play. Prime Video, on Friday. By the way, we're recording this on Wednesday. You're going to be listening to this on Friday morning. The reason why is because of the good folks at Prime Video. They put, um, I'm just putting everyone's business out there embargo for role play is 8 a.m. Friday morning Pacific time so that's why we're recording on Wednesday but here listeners thank you for supporting us on cinematics you're probably listening to it starting here on Friday January 12th so that's role play Bruce how's the last week been for you as far as movies you're taking a challenge via criterion can you tell our listeners what this challenge is and I, I bet a couple of members of our group have actually taken up that challenge as well
0: yeah. And I don't know if Criterion channel like posted this. I think they might have. I know that there's like an official challenge that was thrown out there as kind of a new year's resolution-y kind of thing. So I know a lot of people are, are doing it and what it has, it has things like, in fact, I can go back and just give you the kind of a quick idea of what's in it because I made a Google doc of it, but uh, it'll, it'll basically has 52 different categories. So the idea is you'd watch 52 Criterion movies throughout the year, but you can pick different movies that are Criterion movies that fit into the category so you kind of have some leeway there and and what i'm going to do is try to pick one of the categories and check it off per week and not over (laughs) over uh i guess drown myself in, in criterion movies but we'll see if i don't i don't care i'm not that hardcore about this kind of stuff but so for example this week i did for the category 1950s movies so it has like all the decades then it has things like anthony bourdain's top 10 pick one from that Audrey Plaza's top 10. Pick from with that. So stuff like that. But I did 1950s movie A Face in the Crowd by Ilya Kazan as this movie's Criterion watch.
1: How was that watch for you as far as the picking that movie as far as the the first challenge why was that your first pick well
0: first of all you're supposed to if you can try to pick movies you haven't seen so this is one of those movies that has a couple things first of all i've never seen it second of all i heard a lot of buzz about it from a lot of movie podcasts and people that i listen to I think re- fairly recently, Anderson talked about it. And it's just kind of been on my radar for the last few years. And I just thought this is a great chance to make myself watch that movie. And it is fantastic movie, <laughs> like 50 years ahead of its time. Such an easy watch for a 50s movie. Such, man, it's just, it's so great. And if you've only seen Andy Griffith as the Andy Griffith you kind of think of in the Andy Griffith show or Matlock uh, or even No Time for Sergeants, which is one of his early movies. Kind of the country bumpkin. This is like the over the top crazed influencer I'm going to steal from Joseph Bridges. He said this is the first use of influencer ever in a movie, and it was done in 1957. This movie is all about kind of in the way that network was all about kind of the, I guess, selling out of the networks to every power and business power that be to the detriment of humanity. This is kind of what kind of taking that ah shucks wisdom right that they always try to push and and promote with lots of full hero type people and they take this guy out of a literally out of a drunk tank and he's vaulted into superstardom and kind of how it ruins him and ruins everybody around him and is kind of just this it's it's an amazing satire on american culture and it flies even today it's fantastic
1: we have to mention also the screenwriter is the great bud Schulberg. bud Schulberg yeah. being the author of what makes sammy run Movie also co-stars Patricia Neal, Walter Matthau, Lee Remick, and Anthony Franciosa, who, by the way, plays this character named Joey De Palma. I interviewed Anthony Anthony Franciosa way back when for the DVD release of A Face in the Crowd. And I had him, I got to find that DVD somewhere. He signed my DVD copy of that. Rest in peace to Anthony Franciosa. And I love that movie. This is one of those movies that I... I think, what, what would you be your rating for this? this for my recollection, That's a, this is a five-star perfect Ilya Kazan film. I, yeah. I don't think you go lower than four and a half, Bruce. Where, where do you go? No,
0: I'm, I'm five-star classic on this movie. This movie is so rewatchable. It's so vibrant. It's so fantastic. You know, a lot of times movies like that, I mean, I'll talk about one later, that there are some aspects of it that are dated. And other than it's black and white and the references are dated, Nothing else about it is dated. Even for its time period, it's very daring. I mean, there's lots of innuendo about stuff going on that is not sugar-coated at all. It's it's amazing. It's a great movie.
1: It really is a great movie. And Ilya Kazan by Schulberg, Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith. One of the things that really surprised me about the movie was how Andy Griffith, he didn't have... I mean, he had a great career, like you just said. Yeah. But from this role, I'm surprised he didn't do tons of darker layered material no disrespect to him because he has talent coming out of the friggin' ears on this one the
0: the really weird thing about this and I don't know if you have this feeling it's like he retroactively did a parody of his own persona like because he (laughs) that's dark Bruce
1: that's so dark Bruce (laughs) (laughs) that's
0: like dark web dark stuff he's most famous well other than maybe Matlock for some older people but I would say most people the uh, the thing that he's most known for is the Andy Griffith show which is like down home, country, nice guy, good small town, Southern sheriff—just this Oshuck's wisdom, right? And this movie, before that even existed, did that exact character and skewered it. And the fact that he
1: did that before he did the other character is really mind blowing. <laughs> it's it's like, my—it just you—you you have to wonder what was going on in his head because it takes that... we're talking about, and when you think of Andy Griffith, you think about small town. Smallsville kind of situation, like you said, even Matlock, right? Homespun yeah. stuff, but there is a darkness to him. I mean, he could have taken, I mean, I mean, Rod Steiger, Lee J. Cobb, I'm thinking of these kind of really great character actors that Andy Griffith, he's certainly, sort of, well, he's a leading man, but he had those character actor kind of chops for a face in the crowd. So, do you have any other uh, Criterion Challenge things, categories that you're going to tackle next that uh, you're thinking about, one, maybe? Yeah, yeah,
0: the next next week's what I'm planning on tackling, along with catching up a bunch on 2023 movies that I did missed. I think next week I'm going to do a 70s Criterion movie, and I'm going to do Mikey and Nicky, which I've never seen.
1: Okay. Directed by Elaine May, starring, I believe, Peter Falk and maybe John Cassavetes, if I recall. That is, that is correct. I remember, I believe Brian Bishop and Anderson Cowan talked about that on the Film Vault. I've seen it. I don't know. Have you ever seen that movie, Eric Holmes, Mikey and Nikki? Elaine no, May?
2: doesn't sound familiar at all. It's a very interesting
1: movie. It doesn't really completely work for me, but I would love, love to see what Bruce thinks about it. Because when you think of Elaine May, you think... May Nichols, you think Ishtar, you think of, you know, unfortunately you think of Ishtar, but I hear that's not sh- such a bad movie, but she's just a very intellectual, intelligent filmmaker, actress, You're, you know, so, and you leave with Walter Matthau, who's of course in Facing the Crowd, but Mikey or Mickey and Nikki, whatever, she spent years editing that film. That mm-hmm. was a, a huge labor of love for her, I believe. she. She's By the way, she's still alive. I don't know if you knew that, Bruce. So that is that is it. Before we get to our features... We're going to actually give a little bit of a some props to our fellow Cinematics Facebook group member. And giving those props is Eric Holmes. Eric, did you want to say something to uh, comment thoughts on <laughs> something that a, a visual piece that actually portrayed you and Bruce and me in
2: a... I don't know what kind of light it is, but it was cool light, I thought. The poster was uh, floating around the Cinematic's Facebook page for uh, some movie called, uh, what what was it called? The Interviewer? (laughs) Yeah, it's called The Interviewer, Ryan Smith. Thank you, Ryan Smith. He
1: actually did a poster, a mock-up poster. I don't know. Maybe there had some vertigo touches to
2: it. I don't know what it was. I think think it was for uh, not the beekeeper. What's the one that came out last week? The, the Bill hop or the, the butcher, <laughs> the bookkeeper, okay, well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, who knows what that? Is. It was but, the but, uh, the guy that did Fort Fairlane. We were talking about him last week. Oh,
1: okay. Right, right.
2: Yes, R- Randy Harlan. Harlan. Yeah, Randy yeah. Harlan.
1: Oh, okay. The Bricklayer? Something like that. There you Something. go. Yes, the Bricklayer. The bricklayer yes.
2: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I think it was that poster with our heads put on there. I got to say, I look like an action star on it. So thank you, Ryan.
1: And thank you, Ryan. That was a sort of a... It it was poking fun, poking the bear, Bruce and Eric, for their reviews of The Godfather films. I'm not going to leave myself out of this because I said The
2: Godfather Part 3 doesn't exist. So I was just in cahoots. Yes. I'm going to send that poster to uh, Scott Atkins and go, see, look, I can be an action star too. Put me in a movie, (laughs) kick my butt, and we'll be (laughs) good. All right. Well, thank you, Ryan Smith, fellow Cinematics Facebook group member. Please,
1: listeners, if you want daily movie recommendations or just conversations or insights, not just us three, there's some really great members of our Cinematics Facebook group community, including Angie Clark. Towards the end of the program, we will be just honoring her selection of To Have and Have Not. I can't wait to, all three of us have seen it. So I did a rewatch. I'm excited to hear what Bruce and Eric have to say for Bruce Perky's What's in the Box segment. Now let's get to our featured reviews. Did it go this way or that that way? Nope, he went that way. He Went That Way is a movie starring Jacob Elordi. You might know him from, what movie is that, Priscilla? Is that he plays Elvis Presley? And that movie's been getting some awards buzz, maybe sort of a little bit, but he's been getting a lot of buzz for his performance, as well as Kaylee Sp- Spaney, Spaney as Priscilla Presley. So Jacob Bellordi is in this, and also Zachary Kinto is in it. And it's based on a true story, and Zachary Kinto plays this guy who named Jim. And Jim is a very interesting fellow, he, because Jim is a guy in his late, late 30s, early 40s, driving a vehicle with a chimpanzee named Spanky at the back of his vehicle. And he uh, sees this.
2: Is this what? a remake of uh, Any Which Way
1: But Loose? No, you're not even close. <laughs> okay. So what Let's happens check. is Jim and that chimp, they actually stop by a gas station where he sees a drifter, a tall, lanky drifter named Bobby, played by Jacob Elordi. Bobby is, not only is he a drifter, he, there's something very off about him mentally. You can tell that he might do something to the gas station attendant. There might be a, a very violent moment that's going to happen because... Supposedly, some, it looks very dicey. So, what Jim does, sort of as a Good Samaritan, is he's a, he tells that guy, Bobby, that drifter Bobby, hey, why don't you, do you need a ride? I'll take you down to whatever, wherever you need, and everything should be fine. So, Bobby takes a ride with Jim. Essentially, the rest of the movie is a road trip of them eventually getting to, I, Bruce, if I, if I recall, like maybe Chicago. It's, it's based on a true story. And Bobby is a killer. Okay. Bobby, it, his character is a killer. And it's, you're trying to figure out whether Bobby is going to kill Jim, who is obviously an animal trainer. He's training that chimp, Spanky. And it's about their relationship. And you're trying to wonder if Jim is going to get out of this incident alive. And again, it's based on a true story. I don't want to actually say what happens. You guys can figure it out on Wikipedia and looking up, he went that way. The only thing is at the end of this movie, whether you love it or not, I suggest you stay for the end credits. So let's- Bruce, you take take it away regarding he went that way. I think whether you like this movie or not, the actual story itself, for me, was very fascinating. So what do you think?
0: First of all, you buried the lead. Uh, Jacob Elordi is actually most famous right now for his role in Saltburn, where he uh, is most known for uh, seasoning a bathtub. I'll leave it at that. But um, yeah, this movie had all the ingredients to be really interesting. And for some reason, it just really wasn't very interesting Uh, there's a few things that kind of it it kind of meandered first of all to me and i know it's supposed to be this shaggy dog road trip right where you have guy just trying to cope with possibly a homicidal (laughs) hitchhiker that doesn't really want to go away and the chimpanzee in the back is this odd addition because you have this, this whole element of the chimpanzee. And then from there, you're just going kind of from place to place, waiting to see how it'll play out. Now, for me, this is one of those movies that works. It kind of hinges on how much either the events going on from place to place are interesting or how much the characters are interesting. And both were kind of not super interesting to me. I kept wondering, you know, why uh, the uh, Zachary Quinto character didn't leave at certain times or stayed at certain times or what his mentality was at certain times. I didn't really feel like I fully understood Jacob Valorti character. I mean, I know he's supposed to be kind of a sociopath sociopath that could like turn on a moment. So I get that part of it. They kind of threw in some little like flashbacks to kind of show what he has done in the past, but it didn't really illuminate me on him as a character even if if they're even if it's unpredictable kind of crazed character i still want to feel like i kind of know what they are and then the other thing that was highly (laughs) highly distracting to me was the chimp that wasn't real the fake chimp throughout the story was very distracting to me and it wasn't it wasn't a cgi chimp i give him credit for that it was a it appeared to be a person in a suit but I just couldn't get over it. Every time I saw it, it just distracted me, <laughs> but things like that. And then there was a moment when, when the chimp is first revealed to the Jacob Alordi character, he acts like he's never seen a chimp before. He's like, what is that thing? And he's like freaking out and everything. I'm like, okay, come on now. Everybody in the world knows what a chimp looks like. Even back in the, what it was supposed to be the sixties, I think, uh, early sixties. This just struck me as, I don't know if it was beholden to the actual facts of the real story. I would have rather seen a documentary on this. Honestly,
1: I thought this was a very interesting film. Okay. But all of the problems you mentioned, I concur with, I agree with. It's written by, it's directed by Jeffrey Darling, who unfortunately in 2022, he died in a surfing accident. So he has since passed. The script is penned by Evan M. Weiner or Weiner, however you pronounce that last name. I felt that this movie just needed a cleaner, more seamless edit. There's no nothing wrong with having a meandering movie like we're talking about. Vin Venders and his road films, right? The great thing about his films is you they meander, but you're so involved. Whether it's where the shot composition, the cutting, the performances, I found the performances here to be fine, solid. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I agree, solid. And a lot of essentially, you can break this movie down. It's sort of a look at Americana, maybe in the early '60s through these two very different people. I understand the interest of the story. Very fascinating. But the execution of these segments, to me, weren't that gripping. Whereas on the page, no disrespect to the late filmmaker, but I just felt under different hands or different editing, it could have been like a great, great movie. Like amazing.
0: Don't you feel, first of all, a couple of things. Don't you feel like this is the kind of movie that Coen brothers pull off amazingly well? 100%. And, And... there is a flash of it here that I feel like there's a scene, yes. mm-hmm. there's a scene or well, just a couple of them, but there's especially the scene where uh, the Zachary Quinto character goes into a hotel yes. office mm-hmm. and he goes into the hotel office right. to, get a, to get a room. And the hotel office guy does this whole thing where he pulls out like sets of knives and he starts trying to sell him knives. And it's this weird, unique scene in the middle of this movie. And I'm like, this movie needed a ton of that. And that was the kind. those are the kind of scenes you get in Coen Brothers movies, but then they also have a, a story that drives you on or characters that drive you on. Even if the plot, we talk about, that's the thing in Coen Brothers movies a lot of times. The plot is almost unnecessary. It's just there to hang great characters on. And here the characters just weren't, you didn't get enough of the
1: characters, <laughs> you know? That motel sequence is bookended by after, after Zachary Quinto's character is you know, he talks to that guy regarding selling what like you said, those knives, then something else happens and then something else happens within that motel, within that small framework, that little small window. I was hooked. I wanted this movie to be great. That was a well done segment. And then the rest of the segments on the written page, like Eric Love scripts here on the written page. They're very it's very interesting. Patrick J. Adams from Suits. He plays a preacher out in the middle of the desert who. He's really not preaching. He's just out in the middle of the desert, just escaping life and drinking. It's an interesting thing on the page, but the way it was done, not so interesting. There's another encounter with two beautiful young teenage girls. I don't know. I don't know how old they are, but they're having a night out, and it's so. That's a slog. I mean, yeah, that shouldn't, it was, that shouldn't be a slog. It should. should be, be- it should have been.
0: You should be so tense during that scene. Oh my You should God. be so worried in that scene. By the time that that scene occurs in the movie, you should be incredibly tense and worried for those two girls and wondering what Zachary Quinto is going to do in that situation.
1: And it was kind of like, ah, eh. and it kind of went, eh. ah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it just was, it went no, nowhere.
1: Everything that it's on the page should have made it on the screen. And I'm thinking a lot of stuff that's on the page, did not make it on the screen? Or if it did make it on the screen, the actual execution for me was flat. All that said, it is such an interesting movie that I'm going to mildly recommend this at three stars. Like he went that way. If you, Spanky the Chimp, by the way, real animal. And I actually want to research a little bit more about this story. The killer, real, that animal trainer, real. And when you find out what happens to that animal trainer, very fascinating. So just based on the historical stuff, the solid performances, I give it a mild recommendation of three stars. What about you, Bruce? Bruce.
0: I'll, I can only go two because I really don't think it's enough to recommend. I, I would recommend they make a documentary on this and then I'll watch that. And it'll be actually very entertaining. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's about all I can do. Would
1: you watch that? Would you be- be- Yeah, I that, would okay. because, because you're I honestly interested. didn't,
0: okay. I didn't research it that much. I'm almost hoping that I so, hope someone will make a documentary of this. Cause I would eagerly watch a documentary of this and be interested to see how it played out because I can kind of guess some things, but I have a feeling it's going to be more interesting for sure. Okay. So that is
1: our first feature. He went that way. Here's a good thing. Three stars for me, two stars for Bruce, but the good thing is my voice is going to not exist anymore for this new seg- This next segment. It's going to be spearheaded by Eric Holmes, who has been chilling for the last five, seven minutes. Destroy All Neighbors, Eric. What is this movie about? Is it interesting? January
2: 12th on Shudder. Good title, but is it a good movie? Well, quickly, as I was being quiet, I was looking up Jeffrey Darling. He's also a cinematographer. I shot the Music video for Icehouse Electric Blue. Awesome song cool oh, video yeah and he was a cinematographer for uh young einstein wow. for any fans of yahoo serious but who co-wrote electric blue eric holmes who's the co-writer on that uh it was john
1: notes of, of course yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, singer yeah. I, the singer for
2: ice him the singer for ice house were noodling around they wrote this song and uh, the singer's like so you are gonna use that for hollow notes like i don't know he's like well you better figure it out because if not we're using it for ice house <laughs> that,
1: that is very cool now I love that song, Electric Blue. I don't know about oh, do, so do you, probably I think me and me and Eric outwoked you, Bruce, on Electric Blue. You know you remember Electric Blue? Remember, Bruce?
0: Uh, I'd have to look it up. I'm sure I remembered if I hear it, I, but I, don't, I, I, don't I that
1: could that sing it anymore. for you, but then no, yeah, yeah. Greg would have to cut it out. So I'm not okay. gonna Okay, so Eric, what is destroy all all neighbors about? So, and so yeah, take it away.
2: It's kind of a, a cross between the voices with Ryan Reynolds with like a little bit of um uh, freaked kind of tone put into it. The, the Alex Winter movie, which Alex Winter is in this. I, I believe he plays two characters. He plays one character that's, he's unrecognizable. I didn't even know it was him until I looked it up after. I was like, I wonder who the guy is that played that. And then Alex Winter shows up later on as a kind of a cameo role, more or less. Anyway, this guy, he lives with his girlfriend and everyone, they live in an apartment and everyone around him kind of takes advantage of him or bugs him in some sort of way. He's annoyed by it, but he doesn't want to do anything about it. And then uh, this guy, Vlad, played by Alex Winter, unrecognized. Like, you won't, he's wearing so much makeup, like, you won't even recognize him. He moves in next door and he starts getting really loud. His girlfriend's like, why don't you just tell him to keep it down? It's not that big of a deal. And, of course, like, he goes over and tells him to keep it down. The guy starts, uh, does the Dennis the Menace thing. You know how, like, when Dennis the Menace is a, a problem for Mr. Wilson, and he's like, you just want to choke him. But then when other people are around, Dennison Mendez seems like just a complete sweetheart and Mr. Wilson looks like the a-hole. That's kind of that's kind of the situation this guy's in. He tries standing up for himself, and every time he does, either the people who he's standing up to attack him, and then he ends up killing them by accident, like trying to defend himself, or they themselves will do something. And create some elaborate accident that will kill him. So basically, as he's defending himself, all these people around him are dying. Once they die, he tries to get rid of the body only to find out that they're not dead. They start talking to him. And they're like, what the what the hell? So he doesn't know what's going on. Uh ends up killing a homeless man on accident, ends up killing another one of his neighbors. And then so now He's surrounded by all these dead bodies, and once they're dead, they, like, become his friends. And so they have, like, these, uh, you know, they're basically just partying with a bunch of dead people. It, it's kind of unclear whether these bodies are actually... Because, in the voice is very clear. Like, he's, you know, Ryan Reynolds has uh, certain times when everything looks kind of upbeat and kind of comedic. And, you know, looks, air quote, normal or dreamlike when he's talking with the bodies and then there's a version when people walk in and you see it from their point of view and it's like dark dirty and ryan reynolds just a a murderer it doesn't really do that here it's kind of unclear whether the bodies are actually talking to him or if he thinks they are it's kind of leaning towards they're actually talking to him they just stay quiet when other people are around but either way movie's very funny, and if you like, like I mentioned, the movie Freaks, like that kind of tone, or uh, like Tromaville or the Guar movies, it's got that kind of humor to it, and that kind of fun to it. I'm not sure what else to talk about on this, but I liked it a lot. i definitely watch it again.
0: Yeah, this movie is just like designed for me, right? It's like tons of practical effects, like imaginative practical effects. I like a lot of the people in here. Jonah Ray, I know him a lot from, well, he was in a mystery science theater, like Reboot, and he was in um, Nerdist. If you ever listened to Nerdist podcast back in the day, he was on that. Alex Winter, of course, I really like him in Freaked and Bill and Ted, I guess probably most famously those two things. Freaked kind of was lost for a while, but I think Freaked has resurfaced now and it's pretty easy to access. Camille Nanjiani, a bunch of those people. And then I ended up, absolutely hating this movie i hated this movie. really i hated it it was so first of all it just didn't work for me at all i i hated the main character you know how you hate sometimes hate the main character like the but was afraid which i love yeah kind of hated the main character i hated the main character I, I just did not sympathize with him in in the least it was something about this movie the tone just didn't work for me it was like it was like screaming at me constantly and i like a good loud crazy movie like evil dead or dead alive you know all these kind of special effects laden like crazy wild movies this movie just was like screaming at me to try to tell me how funny it was and i was not not digging it at all it was just distractingly loud obnoxious annoying and for me it was aggressively unfunny i was hating my life watching this movie
2: well, Bruce, you need to conform to my thinking because that's what rock and roll is all about conformity. <laughs> okay,
1: <laughs> Bruce. Bruce, it's eighty-five minutes. Was that eighty-five minutes too long for you? Was it a huge slog? Was it tough it, getting through this movie? It really was. By the time I got to about the third,
0: a third of the way through this movie, first of all, when Vlad pe- appeared, Vlad is the main main neighbor that starts all the trouble. That he kills first, who is played by Winter. I hated the way he was playing him. It was just. It was over, top in, over the top in a way that was obnoxious to me. It just just graded on me, graded on me so hard. It, this is like, you know how a- a- Adam Sandler movies, sometimes they just hit you right. And yeah. sometimes they're just as obnoxious as can be. This was on that side to me. And I like some Adam Sandler movies that people think are obnoxious. I Bruce. like
1: Little Nicky. I can't defend it. I like <laughs> Little Nicky. <laughs> so Bruce, a couple of, sorry, Eric, go ahead.
2: Go ahead. Okay. Well, I, 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 I was going to say, I, I understand what you're saying about the main character. And normally I, I would hate that character, but I think that was kind of the, I, I think where I kind of give him a pass on this is that's the point. Like it's him. He starts off that way and throughout the movie slowly overcoming that. So I can kind of deal with that. But whereas like uh, other characters of like him in other movies, they start off that way. They stay that way. There's no growth there. And I just, it's like, dude, get over yourself. Like, you know. But I, I was definitely, I was definitely like, clawing at the screen early on. It's like, dude, just get, <laughs> yeah. grow a, grow a pair and do something about this. But then, <laughs> when, once he did, that's when everything goes. I, I'm surprised you don't like this. No, I'm, I, I, I'm, I I'm extremely surprised about it. Yeah,
1: Bruce, on the counterpoint, and to Eric's point, do you, as much as you hated this movie, can you see how we can? become uh, beloved by others, meaning that it might not be your type of movie or this is like... Yeah, hey,
0: I mean, I suppose... This is like, I mean, like, I love Psycho Gorman, but I know a lot of people don't like, don't like that style at all. And it, to me, you could compare them and say they're the same. To me, they're not. I think Psycho Gorman is like, is witty and interesting and clever. And this movie is just like punching you in the face. Like, wasn't that funny? See how he flew at the screen at you? <laughs> it's like So that's why it just didn't work for me. But I can, yeah, I can see, uh, once again, it's comedy, right? Or comedy and horror are, are, a lot of it is taste and like the flavor that you like or don't like. And this one, for me, I do not like this flavor at all. It's, it makes me want to vomit.
2: It's terrible. Well, another thing I liked about it is that the end where, because one of the things he's doing, trying to do is write his frog rock opera, mm-hmm. I guess, or a prog rock album. I really love the music in this. Would no, like it, I hate it did, or nothing. Did not,
0: did not oh, either. Jesus. Nope. What the I hell mean, is wrong with you, Once again, it's like a Tenacious D. Is another example. I love Tenacious D. Did not like this. Hated it. Well, uh, Eric-, Eric,
1: <laughs> Eric, destroy all neighbors. You're talking about the prog rock if it's on. I mean, are you going to listen to the music after watching this? Because you said you like the music. Yes. Well, okay. So this is yes. something like if it's on your phone, you're going to listen to it okay because you're a prog rock fan is that is that it like no
2: i I just like the music it reminded me of kind of like a like bill and ted's version of prog rock i guess but i I still dug it what is your rating i go five stars i definitely watch this again and i I guess i gotta (laughs) do uh
1: Oh, hold on, Eric, Eric, you know five stars. I know I, I throw this around too. Five yes. stars is like a really high rating. That's like five out of yes. five, right? And, and it's a it's a five star movie because it's. just- I mean, so- it's not
2: six point nine, but it's still five stars is pretty good. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Okay, Eric comes and no, this, this this movie was just really fun, and I I guess to Bruce's point, like. Definitely like if it's not your kind of humor, you know, that's subjective. Like stuff I find funny, Bruce thinks is unbearable. So I I guess from that perspective, I guess I could get it. But uh yeah, I I like this movie a lot. Yeah, I, would I rewatch watch it. Ian.
1: Yeah. Oh, and you said you'd definitely watch it again. Okay, wow. That's yeah. what a divide. Bruce, are you gonna be nice? You know, I mean, we've been doing this for three and a half, four years. You gotta throw Eric a bone? Maybe Give it three stars, three and a half stars, a little bit. Go half, half bit. a star. <laughs> I was trying to be a pat. I was trying to like, wow. So
2: What'd we do... both gave it a five. I gave it a five. I gave it a <laughs> point five. That's kind of the same, right?
1: a star for <laughs> destroy all neighbors. Wait till Ryan Smith listens to this episode. I don't
2: know what he's going to come up with. I wonder with the poster. Yes, sir, I wonder. Well, you have just the, boosted the, fact... the
0: watches of this movie incredibly. <laughs> the, like, stupid, the fact
2: that I gave it a five and Bruce gave it a point five <laughs> isn't that kind of textbook three-star banger though uh, no i mean yeah that's
1: kind of good who knows you know what let's figure out what people went to. you see it on shutter on friday hit us up is it a five-star film are oh. you a- with eric or is it a
2: half-star film for bruce yes eric bruce what did you think about the, that foo fighters movie the studio 666 it's fun I, I i thought about
0: that because they're kind of similar i like that one okay i i was okay with that one i i kind of oh. thought it was mild recommend yeah i know a lot of people hated it
2: because uh, i'm thinking of like a bunch of similar movies and you like all of them but not this one i'm trying to no. i'm trying to like mentally parse out why but well i mean, you, like you, you said was, you said no, why but it's like, still...
0: it was like you served me a dish and i like that's all the stuff i like and then i taste it and i'm like what the heck did you do to this it tastes terrible <laughs> that's exact i mean i don't yeah. know it just it hit me and, and it and not only did i not like it but it angered me <laughs> it angered, it me angered was you
1: it, it angered <laughs> this is the biggest folks this is the biggest divide we've ever had when we were movie mainline, then find your film, then cinematics, and who knows what other movie title we're gonna come up. With. I, I want a I'll, historic moment.
2: Yes. I want Greg to watch this and be like, yeah, it's three stars or <laughs> four stars, because that's happened. a Greg three stars. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, I'm gonna have to see it. I, I'm gonna have to see. It. I'm not gonna say I'm, I'm gonna break the tie, but I'm gonna add to this think... dialogue. Well, <laughs>
2: there, there was a movie that and i can't remember maybe it happened a couple times where greg liked it and bruce liked it or vice versa and then i had to come in the the following week to break the tie and i was just right down the middle so it didn't really <laughs> <Yep>. help <laughs> i think the biggest
1: divide if i recall was
2: eric you and i both
1: love and continue to love that movie werewolves within which i think i hope it's still oh yeah and shutter we you love know that what movie. there you and go then yeah and then C- because really...
2: werewolves within is also really similar to this in tone and yeah i do remember bruce hated that so i don't know Bruce that, is that, it, it it start it's starting it start, it start to make sense i don't agree but at least it's starting to make sense man. i'm gonna
1: defend bruce i think bruce strongly disliked werewolves within i don't think yeah i'm gonna say did you hate it bruce oh he's it wasn't just... it
0: wasn't as bad as this it, didn't, <laughs> oh it didn't yell at me to tell me how bad i hated it <laughs> this movie constantly is yelling at me that's amazing. I'm old. I don't want to be yelled at anymore. <laughs> Destroy
1: All Neighbors has become Destroy Get out All My Lawn movie. Destroy All Critics <laughs> Named Bruce. Okay, listen. Our next feature. I can't wait to see this movie, by the way. Our next feature is Roleplay. Stars Kaylee Kuko and Kuko. I don't know how to pronounce her name. I apologize. Kuoku. Kuoku. Was... I'm sorry. And then David Oyelowo. 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 Okay, so uh, you want me to do the. Okay, so Kaylee, she's an assassin. It's already, okay, it's not a spoiler. The beginning, she takes out an intended mark. After she taking out the intended mark, she goes back home and she's, well, she's a suburban mom and with a career, supposedly a career where she jets around all over the place and her kids, her two kids and her husband don't know she's really a cold-blooded assassin. The husband, dad is played by David Oyelowo. He's really nice and just uh, genial, and they have a really good relationship. They decide one night to have a night of role-playing, hence the th- movie title Role Play." And that is interesting because I have not seen all of the film, but I'm about 35 minutes into role-play, and it's still getting the story going uh, regarding, we all know, it's not a spoiler that obviously the husband's going to find out that she's an assassin and what do they, what do they do with that secret, but I'm 35 minutes in, and so far, I'm really enjoying this movie. So Man. what
2: what what part are you at right now? Like about like what's kind of well after when they read they there's a new
1: there's something that happens at a hotel and it's reported in the newspaper the next morning. Okay. I don't know, Bruce, if things are reported in the newspaper the next morning. That might be a little bit of a faux pas, but heck heck, I mean it's a family, they have a newspaper. That's how far I am. I'm enjoying it thus far. The person who should really be speaking on this is Eric Holmes, who interviewed Thomas Vincent, and most importantly, he actually saw completed role play which is 100 minutes what did you think Eric?
2: yeah so yeah i guess the the incident I, I won't get into exactly what happens but uh kaylee's character and uh david O'Yellowo's character basically so she it starts off she does the the assassination thing that you said and she's supposed to go home and she's kind of like hey uh i'm you know i'm gonna take a break i'm i'm done with this for a while or forever or whatever and she's just gonna do the family life and then her and uh, david O'Yellow yellow or trying to reconnect and they want to be like hey let's go this let's go to this place and uh we'll pretend we don't know each other and we'll pick we'll hit on each other and go to the hotel or whatever you know some kinky thing i haven't been in a relationship long enough to where that would make sense but it seems like <laughs> great fun but anyway so uh kaylee gets there first david o the the husband he's kind of running late like in traffic or whatever and then bill Knight he shows up and starts hitting on on kaylee you know, just an yeah. uh, old man like, ooh, you're a pretty old lady. Or you're a pretty young lady, blah, blah, blah. Can I buy you a drink? That sort of thing. And you think he's just like this uh, old guy shooting a shot. Kind of like Greg might do. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> no comment, but it's I, I hate the truth. Go ahead. But uh, <laughs> but uh, you start finding, since you already know what Kaylee's up to, you s- slowly start to suspect and maybe realize, oh, Bill he's either works with her or works against her. We're not quite sure yet. David O'Yellowo comes up and now she's trying to kind of get rid of him while not revealing what she does to David O'Yellowo. Some stuff happens at the hotel and as uh, Greg alluded to, ends up in the news. And what that does is the FBI is now, they were kind of already suspecting Kaylee was up to something, but they didn't have any sort of proof to really nail her on anything. Once that incident happens and her, Face comes up as part of that they're like oh okay she's exactly who we thought she was and then so now she's trying to get away from a certain sect of people that want to kill her trying to get away from the fbi and trying to keep all this hidden from her husband and it's kind of uh mr and mrs smith uh and when i was talking with the director i mentioned mr and mrs smith but this is like the good version of it and i like mr and mrs smith so I, you know I mean, mr and
1: mrs smith is coming out again right on Prime Video, uh, it in did. About two it's weeks. called
2: Role Play. It's coming out this week. We also, but <laughs> in, in all seriousness,
1: that uh, what is that? Uh, Donald Glover and someone else—I forgot her name, Mister and Missus Smith—are doing a TV series. It's going to be out on Prime. I'm not kidding you, Eric. It's right. going to be out on Prime Video for in two weeks. So well, I actually got a screener link for all the episodes and on my email. I think I don't know if Bruce or, or you guys got it
2: too, but anyways, just I I did not FYI, yeah. FYI. I, I I would say that uh this movie kind of uh sets a pretty high bar for that sort of thing. Cuz again, I I like Mr. and Mrs. Smith a lot. I like this a lot better. I think just a lot more fun i like the characters more the kelly kuoko her character kind of as a assassin trying to balance home life and assassin life and how she kind of snaps back and forth between both roles role playing if you will um (laughs) i I thought she was really good in this and yeah it was all it was a really fun kind of uh spy assassin it's kind of like the killer but like funny
1: well, okay. and not at all like the killer, Eric. If someone says, "Well," <laughs> say, That's say like the killer. <laughs> Eric, if someone says, "Hey, role play," it seems like a breezy, fun action kind of comedy. Yes. Empty calories? Does it? Is it? You feel that it's more than empty calories? What makes it more substantial than sort of a forgettable thing that you stream for about ninety-five minutes to hundred minutes, and you just don't think about it two seconds later? Because I it mean, seems like you have more weight to this
2: movie. I mean, I don't think empty calories is off you know that's i mean it's not like trying to uh solve the world's problems or like point out any social ill going on in the yeah. world it's just a, it's just a fun assassin mr and mrs smith type movie and in fact like you know we talk about like uh watching like really heavy movies that are like documentaries where it's just like just complete bummer this is one of those movies that you can put in that, that this is the kind of movie that what was that movie with wonder woman and the ryan reynolds and the rock the red notice red yes notice. Uh, i love the, that movie the gray the, man whatever <laughs> the, yeah, the great gray man like this is the movie that those movies are trying to be like the mm-hmm. where gray man and red notice try to be like these kind of fun sort of uh, action thrillers this one actually is fun the, the characters are great and i just loved it a lot I'm uh, excited. Bruce might give it half star. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm liking I, I, it so
1: far, right? I'm I'm liking it. so it, it's continues on that very good pace. As I'm 35 to 40. Yeah, yeah. If
2: you, I, I would say uh, if you're enjoying it so far, you're gonna enjoy the rest of it. And I I would say the same to anyone. Like putting on a role play. If you're like half hour in, like I I hate it, then bail. But I I don't see how you would. This, this move's just way too fun for that. Very cool. Again, the interview with role-play director Thomas Vincent
1: will be up on our Cinematics Podcast feed later in this week. Well, we actually, probably this weekend because we're putting this up on Friday. But Eric, what is your rating
2: on this wonderful film? I'll probably go four stars on this. Maybe even four and a half. Where does the I'm, pendulum swing, Eric? Like 4.25. point two five. I'll. You know what? I'll go four and a half. <laughs> four I, and a half? Feeling, I'm, I'm feeling generous today. Okay. Because, like, like watching Destroy All Neighbors and Roleplay, like, I think just both movies in general were extremely fun, and both of them, like, were a nice... Change from the uh, bummers that we've talked about in the past, and some bummers that we will talk about in the future.
1: Oh, right, yeah. right. definitely, definitely. Some bummers we'll talk about in the
2: future. You know, and I'm by gonna, the way, uh, bummers doesn't mean they're bad movies. Usually, great movies. You know, okay. some sometimes you need a little palate cleanser, and I, I think both these movies fit that role.
1: Okay, before we get to our box movie, we're going to do a very some quick recommend, some sort of very quick lightning rounds. I think the first lightning round will be Bruce's mini review or just thoughts on 20 days in i am mispronouncing this Maripool? meripool meripool
0: i think yeah yes what uh, is this hey talk about talk about a bummer a good <laughs> movie that's a bummer this is like the the poster for that for sure i might have that have brought me up a little bit though from destroy all neighbors just slightly <laughs> uh, the, uh... <laughs> <laughs> jeez anyway uh this is directed by Mistislav misty slav Chernov. It's about the best I can do with that name. And this was suggested, I think, I saw Mitch Burns mention this and a couple other people on our Facebook page. Mitch said that he watched it and, and hadn't cried more but thought it would probably be the winner of the Oscar for International or for documentary, probably And I don't know if it's even nominated or I don't think they put out nominations yet officially, but uh, it could be, it's the kind that they like to nominate. This is as harrowing and sad and infuriating as you might suspect, but it's also quite good. Uh, basically it just follows an AP reporter who's in Mariupol. And I don't know if you remember when the Ukraine, uh, when Russia started invading Ukraine, they went to several fronts and Mariupol is like the Southern coastal city that they basically put under siege like almost immediately. Because if the Russians took over Mariupol, essentially they have a pathway across that little strip there to get to... I forget what it connects to, but it connects to another another area that they wanted to get to. And this movie, basically, it starts on day one, as you might suspect, as the uh, AP reporter is there in, in just... It's just almost all the time it's from the camera point of view. And you just see how a city is almost destroyed and put into just total apocalypse almost in 20 days and it's a lot and it goes from there's a couple moments that really will strike you and, and a lot of moments that will really make you upset and, and sad especially stuff involving kids so be be warned it's it's not it doesn't flinch much from any of that stuff but something really simple that struck me early on there's a scene where a woman is walking towards them and crying it's like they're gonna attack they're gonna attack and she's all stressed out that they're going to attack. And it's before the attacks have really happened yet. The AP reporter is is comforting her and saying like, no, no, just go hide in your basement and it'll be okay. And they had come across her later and things are way worse. And it just, you just see like, wow, even they were not really seeing the devastation to come. And a lot of the stuff also takes place in a hospital that's slowly being encroached upon and seeing how hospitals are just running on nothing except the the will of the few doctors that are trying to keep people alive and using rooms for morgues and stuff like that. It's, it's a lot. I think it's pretty universal. It's what you see in lots of wars throughout the world. If anything, I wasn't weeping as much as I was angry throughout it. You know how there's things that are considered war crimes? I do not understand how any sort of bomb whatsoever, isn't a war crime. I don't understand how those are allowed to be used in any way, because say what you want about, what do they say, like targeted, trying to get just an exact target with a bomb. You can't. Bombs are going to kill civilians and bombs are going to kill children and bombs are going to kill people who are, quote, innocent, although you can argue about a lot of people being innocent. Uh, It's just, it's a lot. But if you are interested in that conflict and you want to see something that's got, Insane Access, this is a, a pretty great documentary. It's in a lot of places you can rent it. Also, I think it's Frontline. It was made by Frontline. So you can find it for free on their official on their site on YouTube. So you can watch it anywhere you want.
1: Is that how you did it, Bruce? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Rent, purchase it, or go on Frontline and check it out there. Yep. For free. So 20 Days in Mariupol. And what is your rating on, on this, Bruce? Four and a half. Four and a half stars on 20 Days in Mariupol. That, yeah, this is a recommendation that deserved more than a very quick flash review so i'm glad that you you talked about it bruce yeah
0: and and to eric's point this is one of those that you go into with eyes wide open you're gonna feel (laughs) like you need a palate cleansing afterwards to not to be jokey again about the other movies but yeah find something light or empty calories that make you happy after this so
2: okay
1: all right thanks bruce now this will be a flash round because eric holmes first of all let's start with the qualifier michael mann just, uh, I'm going to do some word associations. Give me a word after I say a Michael Mann film. Thief. Great. The Keep. Double great. The heat. <laughs> Overrated. Double <Triple> great.
2: <laughs> Perfectly
1: dare, rated. A triple dare rate. br- How dare Bruce go, you just submarine this segment. I'm kidding, Bruce. Ferrari. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, okay. Destroy All Neighbors. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Eric, you like a lot of Michael Mann's films. Yes. Well, how about Public Enemies? Water I love
2: Public Enemies. Okay. I, I okay. know a lot of people hate that movie. I love Public Enemies. Collateral. love that. Band of the Hand. I don't think I saw that one. Band oh, of the Hand? Yeah, he produced it. Yeah, that's uh, something that, yeah. Was, uh, oh. Didn't he do Manhunter? No, he didn't do Manhunter. Did he do? Yeah, that? he yeah. did Manhunter. Yeah. Manhunter. Love, love Manhunter. Man, Manhunter was one of those, it took me a while because I was so used to the... Ah, uh, Jonathan Demme, The Silence of the Lambs. That when I saw Manhunter, I was like, "This is weird." I'm like, "That's not Hannibal Lecter. That's not Anthony Hopkins." But like, once I got into it and watched it a couple times, I kind of grew on it, and I think I like Manhunter more than Silence of the Lambs.
1: Okay, so we've already established that you are a Michael Mann fan. You like his movies. I'm assuming you also like even the, even The Insider. I'm assuming I might right? call
2: myself a Michael fan.
1: Michael fan of man. What didn't work regarding Ferrari for you?
2: I think same deal with Gran Turismo. Ford v Ferrari exists, and that's the that's now the bar, and neither Gran Turismo nor Ferrari has cleared that. Now Ferrari does, and first of all, Ferrari's a different story entirely. Like it's you know Ferrari's uh, Enzo Ferrari is in Ford v Ferrari. Gran Turismo's about the video game people racing the you know that whole thing, but they're all all three are kind of like in the same kind of ballpark the races are cool in ferrari there's a crash early on when they're doing a test run where the car just goes flying that looks cool and then there's an absolutely horrifying crash towards the end that you probably hear people talk about that's it it goes quick but man that was probably the part worth seeing but also at the same time you kind of don't want to there's certain parts in this that stand out like with with heat you know the the shootout outside the bank it heat is like one of the big standouts in it. Course, like people yeah. talk, like even if you hate the movie, like that shootout, like how do you do a better shootout? I, I don't think you do. Well, except maybe in Miami vice, there's one in there, but you know, that was also Michael, man, but like, it, so you have like all those bits and then the stuff in between, like the, between Enzo and his wife and like all the, all the family stuff. And it was just stuff I don't care about. Mm. And, and, There's a little bit of uh, personal stuff in Ford v Ferrari, but it's tied to the it's tied to the story in a way that I do care about. It builds character. It makes me root for him more or hate him or whatever the case is. And then you throw in the car races and those are great. And Ferrari just doesn't doesn't quite live up to that. And part of me is wondering if this is going to do a Manhunter thing where like, I didn't like Manhunter because I, I I liked Silence of the Lambs so much. It took me a while to kind of get up to speed on what Michael Mann was laying down with Manhunter and to the point where now I like Manhunter more than Silence of the Lambs. Maybe Ferrari in time will do that to where it kind of overtakes Ford v. Ferrari. But right now, I was checking the watch a lot during this one.
1: Okay, rating on... Ferrari, not a good one for you.
2: The races and the crashes and that horrifying one, if the one is probably elevates it to two and a half. I will say uh, they covered it on. The film? Uh, yeah. No. Well, they, they covered it on film. Ball. Uh, it was Anderson and Avery. I, don't, I think they're kind of on the same level as me where they didn't really mm. work for them too much. Okay. But uh, Mitch Burns and Ant, they covered it on, on uh, the Hollywood, uh, Hollywood persona. persona. Yeah. Mitch Burns was kind of like Ed. Kinda, but Ant really liked it. So uh maybe listen to that, listen to what Ant thought of it, and maybe you'll lean more towards him. I I don't know, but this was uh this was a movie and it went on and on and on.
1: All right, so that's and two and a half on. stars for Eric Holmes. Did not like Ferrari, and that is it. Twenty again, twenty days in Maripole from Bruce got four and a half stars. That is it for our recommendation. As every single week what we do is uh, we have some really great musical interludes from our buddy Pita Beta Pita Beta over at the middle class film class or middle class film class with Tyler Noe and Joseph Navarro Eric Holmes what do you love so much about listening to middle class film class?
2: Uh, they got a oh the uh, the... the podcast podcast yeah <laughs> they were prompting me to uh, tell them to drop something <laughs> I, I don't know I, I I just like them and they, they, they've they recently been doing those uh, they have those little shorts where they have the, uh, the games that they do yeah, like the the director games and the we'll we'll give you a name of a uh, of movie that it used to be called and what what's it what do we know it as that that's always fun you know the recommends the movie news it's a full meal they got everything they got everything middle class film class we also mentioned the Hollywood persona with Mitch
1: Burns and Aunt Film bought some really great. Movie podcast, which begs the question is why are you guys li- listening to us in cinematics? You should be listening, right? Right, Eric? They should be listening to these podcasts. What do
2: you I, think, Eric? You're in the courtroom? I, that's that's I, your thing. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I, I will say I had a dream and I can't remember exactly what happened, but Tyler, Tyler Noe was in it. Mm. And it wasn't oh, a sex so. dream, so it's it's not weird. Well, it probably is now that I just said that. But yeah, Tyler Melory uh, no, is a co-host of Middle Class Film Class, folks. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I could remember what the dream was, but he was in it, and oh, it, it was like it was like in a it was in like a setting where I I was at my house and he kind of showed up or something. It was it was weird. Okay. Very I, I wish I could remember it, but I can't. Okay, that, that's right. kind of how
1: dreams go. Dreams go, yeah, and they they go better with some music. Pete, drop that beat. Remove your hand
2: from the box. And you die. What's in the box?
1: Pain. All right, guys, we're back. Bruce is sort of detained in a second. He will be back with us in a few. Let's just submarine his segment for his what's in the box pick. It is thanks to Angie Clark. The movie is To Have and Have Not, released in 1994, directed by the great Howard Hawks, stars Bogin Bacall, and it centers, it's during the early days, I believe, of World War II. Harry Henry Morgan, played by Humphrey Bogart, he's an American expat. He's living in Martinique. He takes rich people on boat rides to fish. By the way, this movie is based on a novel from Ernest Hemingway. Hemingway also has a screen credit in this movie, screenplay credit along with the great William Faulkner and Jules Werthmann. So again, Bogart is a ship guy. He's an expatriate living in Martinique. His name is Harry Morgan. We see him taking a rather rich fellow on a boat. They're trying to fish for Marlin or whatever out in the ocean. And his right-hand man is Walter Brennan, who is consistently drunk and funny and sort of lovable. Walter Brennan plays Eddie. So you get sort of their dynamic at the beginning. They go back after a unsuccessful fishing expedition. They go back to the bar, and that guy, that rich guy, really owes him some money, so there's a little bit of a quandary there. Also, what's really cool is Harry Morgan, he lives in – there's a bar, and there's – it's really cool. He lives in a bar in town, and there are steps from the bar that lead up to just a series of rooms, and he lives in one of those those rooms, on one day after that that fishing expedition, he bumps into this beautiful young woman. She's 22. Her name is Marie Browning, Bogart that played by Lauren Bacall. Marie Browning, but she's not called Marie Browning for most of the movie. She's called "quote unquote" Slim Bogart, like as Harry Morgan loves to call Lauren Bacall Slim. So she's she's sort of a mysterious woman, and you don't know why she's suddenly in Martinique for the day, or maybe a couple of days. Also, populating this story is. Hoagie Carmichael the great composer he plays the piano player in the bar he, his character's name is Cricket and all, that's it there's some and there's some very interesting dynamics because he is Bogart's character is pressured into bringing uh, transporting a French resistance leader from uh, to Martinique from a, a, an area so he doesn't want to do this operation until Bogart's or aka Harry Morgan's life, as well as the life of Slim and his friends, they get in danger unless he pulls off this operation. So that's essentially the plot line behind To Have and Have Not. Eric, is this your first time
2: watching this film? Sort of. So I started watching it last night, and I meant to finish it today before the uh, for the uh, podcast, but I forgot what day it was. So I did not finish the second half. I got up to about the part where so he just denies the Humphrey Bogart's character denies helping the people. And then shortly after, there's like that shootout in the bar. And it's probably like a couple minutes after that. So I, I haven't made it very far so far. I dig it, but I haven't seen enough of it to uh, really. I, I guess the only thing I will say is uh, Lauren Bacall. Early on, she's uh, singing along with the piano player. Yeah, Hoagie was, it, right. was that her singing? Because that sounded like that sounded like not a female singer. I know she has a very low
1: singing voice. I haven't actually looked on the movie facts whether that was Lauren Bacall's voice and that, to have not and have particularly
2: not. good singing voice either. <laughs> I, I, I was I was kind of that 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 part kind of stood out to me It's like why did you put that in there?
1: It's a very husky voice. This is one of those movies where I saw it maybe a couple of years ago, really enjoyed it. Upon the second watch, To Have and Have Not, to, to me, yes. is just a classic. Because we mentioned Bacall's supposed singing voice, I don't know if it's a real voice for, for those musical numbers. Actually, what's interesting is, Eric, you don't know this, you're maybe halfway through it. There's a bunch of musical numbers for To have and Have Not. You can almost call this a quasi-musical with Bacall and Hoagy Carmichael playing the piano, and then he's accompanied by sort of a mini band. Some really good music in this movie. Also some great writing. Bacall, the Bacall scenes in To Have and Have Not are iconic. So if you like that sort of banter and chemistry between Bogey and Bacall, I believe To Have and Have Not, I believe this was their first film together. I could be wrong. But it's just a great pairing. I love their chemistry. I don't know, Eric, if you've seen Dark Passage or Key Largo, any of their other films? Or is this your first time watching a Bogart and McCall film?
2: Uh I saw
1: Casablanca. I that's, wasn't uh, a Bogart, huge fan of that. That's Bogart and Ingrid Bergman. That's okay. That's, but, so but, yeah, uh the one
2: the I'm ones gonna... you mentioned, no. Hmm. Um interesting. There's I... any other actually no. So it's what I've seen of this one and Casablanca, I think are the only two Humphrey Bogart movies I've seen. Unless I'm forgetting something, I think that's it. Oh, okay. Interesting. But to have and have not, there can't be a rating for
1: Eric because you're only halfway done. Yeah. You're, you're going to probably do a rewind and tell us what you think of the movie. But I'm giving it five stars. This is a classic for me. Yes, Eric.
2: Did you mention that this was co-written by William Faulkner?
1: Yeah, I mentioned yeah, William yeah. Faulkner is one of the screenwriters in this. Ba- well, based on he Ernie,
2: Ernest Hemingway, Ernest Hemingway novel. Novel, that, yeah. that I knew. I'm, I'm looking at the AMD, IMDb I was like, yeah. ooh, William Faulkner.
1: The <laughs> whole thing about Bogart's this is one of Bogart's most likable characters and Bacall is fascinating in this film. And I really love the music. You said, you talked about liking the music earlier in that prog rock thing, Destroy All Neighbors. I love the music here in To Have and Have Not. And it's just a really well done film. Howard Hawks, the director of Scarface and Rio Bravo.
2: And, of Rio Bravo. Yeah, Rio I Bravo's mean, Howard, Hack,
1: Howard Hawks is a great... I think he did Bringing a Baby. Howard Hawks is considered just an icon as far as cinema goes. You, He's done so many different genres and... I think this is probably one of his, one of Hawks' best films. It's a perfect film for me. Bruce, we were talking about how Eric is only halfway through to have and have not. I mentioned the, the plot su- summary, and I was mentioning it how Car- this could almost be a musical because of all the Hoagy Carmichael and Lauren Bacall numbers. That's a whole different kind of dynamic there. And this is, I think, a must-watch, especially if you want some sort of knowledge of Hollywood history, but Hollywood history that is enjoyable. Meaning the the witticisms or the dry wit of Lauren Bacall's lines along with the lines of Bogart. I think it's just this was a five star film for me. It's just on the second watch. I think I probably would have rated it lower, but on the second watch it's so amazing to watch. Did you feel that that high on Tab and Have Not upon your first watch?
0: I did like it quite a bit. I probably four and a half, but that's first watch, you know, you know, it has some of those dated qualities where, like you said, there's a longer song and song and dance kind of pieces kind of thrown in there, which people may or may not like as much in, in kind of the war espionage thriller elements that come in there that are pretty cool. I didn't know. So I knew that Lauren Bacall and Bogart, Bogart, of course, married and all that stuff, but I didn't know the history really. So I didn't know even when I was watching it, that this was where they met and Mm. kind of kindled their romance. So it's good to know that I didn't know that because as I was watching, I'm like, damn, the chemistry here is like sparkling off the screen. And that is, this is the most G rated, not G rated movie (laughs) you'll ever see because the way that they, you know, in these little movies, they're not gonna have a sex scene. They're not gonna, they're gonna barely kiss they are in each other's rooms a little bit but there's a scene uh, other than the the famous you know you know how to whistle that whole thing right just blow but there's there's a scene where she sits on his lap and then they and she kisses him and you're just like my gosh these two if they're not in love they're the greatest actors ever i mean you could tell something's gone just the way he called her slim and stuff it's 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 quite something so i think if not for that alone to see you know they talk about screen chemistry and you're like what does that mean watch this movie and you'll see what it means it's amazing
1: look and i think the chemistry between bogart and walter brennan is on yes. point as well
0: yeah walter he's, brennan's great and he's, he's, he's great in a lot of movies but he's he's pretty top-notch role for him
1: yeah this is a great hard hawks film i think this is one of the, thank you angie clark for suggesting this for bruce burkey to pick it out of the his his box and it's i think it's just a great selection i don't know what else to say about it. this has like you said espionage it says comedy, suspense. It, it's it's
0: got to be one of the best like knockoff movies ever made, right? Because it's essentially a knockoff on Casablanca <laughs> with right. one of the, man, yeah. the main actor of Casablanca. And it's like, let's just remake it somewhere else and call it Casablanca. And I can't think of many other knockoff movies that are within like a few years of the movie that made it famous and having it be such a great movie. So it's, it's pretty fantastic.
1: You even had the, you even had Sam, right? This time he's called cricket yeah, and yeah, he's it's, black. It's, he's, it's, he's, it's, he's
0: just a, it's almost a straight <laughs> ripoff. I mean, it really is, but it's, it's a ton of fun and there's some really great weird little scenes in here too. Like there's a scene where they have to do surgery on a guy in a basement, which well is done. yeah amazing and doesn't need to be there, but it, it, it's a really great scene. And I was thinking when I was watching it, the other woman who's like the the wife, Loris uh, Morgan, right? Yeah, and I was thinking while I was watching her, I'm like, wow, she's really beautiful. Who is this starlet? And then I'm reading, like, oh, yeah, Howard Hawks was trying to hit on all he was known womanizer,
1: of course. he yeah. was
0: trying to hit on all the women. Uh, and originally he was trying to get Bacall, Bacall. he was trying to cut her role down so he because he was having an affair with the other woman. And wow. then, uh,
1: Lauren Bacall was just too good, they couldn't do it. <laughs> <So laughs> yeah, had to keep her. He was one of those gray fox type of guys, just those debonair. Director, yeah, that's, so one, that's one term for it. <laughs> <laughs> that is another, one.
2: another term. Might be creep.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Howard Hawks, all time creep, but also great filmmaker. Also great, great filmmaker. So that is to have and have not. Five stars for me. Four and a half stars for, for Bruce Berkey. We're closing the show right now. Bruce, for what's in the box? Uh, are you going to pick something that we're going to go in two and a half weeks? Maybe you should because sure. Next I week- will,
0: and I will forget
1: about it, and then you'll tell me about it. Next. <laughs>
0: Okay, we're gonna,
1: we're, before Bruce gets the thing out out, out the box, just FYI, BrucePerky at gmail.com if you want to recommend some movies to put in the box, also or join our Cinematics Facebook group and hit Bruce up there for that one. And Bruce and Eric, we're we're not gonna have a we're gonna have a quasi show next week here on Cinematics. We're gonna cover some new stuff too, but a lot of that will be some recent Eric Holmes interviews for next week, and then also some. Fresh reviews from Bruce, possibly Eric, on movies coming out. So it's going to be an interesting episode. And then we're going to be plugging something else. We're going to be talking about our our favorite films of two thousand twenty three. But that not that won't be next week's episode. We will we will, we will talk about why next week on for next week's episode of Cinematics. Bruce, you have your what's in the box pick? Yes, New York Ninja. New York Ninja, never heard of it. Who who in the heck gave you that recommendation? I don't know
0: who suggested it. I think I might've put it in the box, but it was a movie, if I remember correctly, this is a movie that was resurrected by one of like Vinegar Syndrome or somebody, Shout Factory or something. I think it was a movie that was kind of made, but never finished. And then in 2021, it was like reassembled and completed. I don't know the exact story, but it's, it's I think an 80s movie that didn't come really fully to the light of day to like, 2020,
2: 21. Yeah, it says here, uh, directed by John Lou and then redirected by Curtis Spieler. So that kind of lines up with what you were saying, like maybe almost done movie that someone came in and finished. Perhaps but
0: I think it's supposed to be kind of in, in line with something like Miami connection, as far as like, just, pure fun.
2: <laughs> Cynthia Rothrock is in it?
1: Oh, Cynthia Roth. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you've seen your share of Cynthia Rothrock movies uh, growing up, right? You love those. And the Jeff Speakman, The Perfect Weapon, all of these type of actors that I'm sure Bruce never paid too much attention to back in the late 80s <laughs> and early 90s. But Eric, I know, you know, I'm sure Eric Combs probably would... would one day just wants to do an entire episode devoted on michael ironside movies that's like that's that's kind of uh or show Kasugi
2: movies how about that definitely so- show kosugi movies <laughs> how My, not- I, I, i'd be cool <laughs> with some uh, michael ironside movies though okay we got to do well the reason why i say this is because we started off
1: movie mainline with luce lacow and he's a great guy so we were we did that for a little bit and then we transitioned to over to find your film podcast and now we you know, Anderson left, but he's never really left. We love you, Anderson. We always love you. You're always part of the team. Then Bruce and Eric moved over to Cinematics. So we've had all these sort of podcasts over the years. The only thing, my little pitch to you listeners is if you've been a loyal listener to Cinematics, thank you so much. We are continuing to remain on this program, but the business I was talking about before we started recording the episode is please, if you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, find your films. I will leave that link on our thing just become a subscriber help grow our community that way because that will house both the find your film podcast the cinematics podcast and a lot of different movie stuff that we're doing so unfortunately eric does not want to grow our subscribership because how many subscribers do we have right now on, on find your film find your films do you know Eric?
2: i believe it's uh the perfect amount 69 69 hopefully <laughs> all our, you our subscribers you're at next- the perfect amount Perfect about, it. but obviously we need we need a thousand
1: subs to get to, to have all that, that cash roll in, Eric Holmes. So do you want that big mounds of cash that we're
2: gonna be rolling in? Well, with well, as, Bruce, subs? as Bruce pointed out, we can always get to six hundred and ninety and then sixty-nine thousand <laughs> and then sixty-nine million.
1: Okay. Very eventually. good. Glass so half full, Eric Holmes. Very, they're, very they're, there's
2: always uh, there's always new frontiers to cross.
1: Yes, new front and thank you guys for sharing those new frontiers that we cross cinematically on a given week. Eric Holmes, final thoughts?
2: One thing, well, first of all, there's a uh, movie called Bliss that's going to be playing uh, mm-hmm. Slam Dance, I believe. I, th- I, I think I said sl- uh, Sundance last week, but it's actually Slam Dance. Okay. Keep an eye out for that. If you can go to Slam Dance, if. Uh, I believe that's on January nineteenth. Be sure to check out Bliss, and I believe uh, Slam Dance is also doing a similar thing that Sundance is doing, where once they play, they'll have like the Slam Dance channel where you can go and watch the movie. But keep an eye out for Bliss and Virgil Bliss, along with uh, the interview that will come uh, shortly before or after its uh, premiere okay well I, I I can't review it yet because there's embargo but I'll just say keep an eye out for it and I think you will like it also um my friends uh Brendan Marr and Chris Engle have a uh, show called page Turners they were not I believe it's like a Star Trek or uh, Star Wars or possibly both but they were doing a Christmas episode and they're like oh we're gonna talk about Gremlins hey Eric likes gremlins we'll get him on there so uh there'll be a link to that in the uh, show notes I believe okay listen to that gremlins episode on what is it called page turners eric Holmes. page turners they were not
1: page- okay that, yeah cool send us that link that'll be on our show notes to get yourself some more of that good old eric holmes <laughs> Bruce, what do you gotta say before we go
0: uh i guess if anyone's feeling the need to make another movie poster you can always go for make greg sember
1: <laughs> okay and with that folks here's claire goodbye everybody thank you for joining cinematics